Welcome to the OA Virtual Kitchen Sink Meeting Podcast. Visit the Los Angeles Intergroup at oalaig.org for information on how to join our meeting live and how to donate to support this meeting and our podcasts. The opinions expressed on the Kitchen Sink Podcast are those of the individual speakers and do not represent OA as a whole. And now, our speaker. My name's Tom. I am a compulsive eater. Oh my goodness. It's good to be home. Uh, I was, uh, Carol and I were co-secretaries of the kitchen sink meeting back in the 1980s. Is that possible? 80s? Goodness gracious. I came into OA in Los Angeles um, about a year and a half after I got sober in AA um, in 1986. Um, I got it right away. Uh, because I'd been working the steps. I, I got the food plan. I started doing 301 is what I started doing. Uh, three meals a day with nothing in between one day at a time. And then as I lost my weight, people started noticing and somebody made the mistake of asking me to speak <laughs> at the Thalians meeting, which was the biggest, I think that one of the biggest meetings um, and it was at Cedar sinai and our founder was there and it went right to my head. Um, I just, I thought I was the bee's knees. I started telling people how to abstain, um, not sharing my experience, strength and hope, just kind of, and pride comes before the fall. And I relapsed and I relapsed big time. And then I went into a series of relapses over the years. And many people in this room tried their best to help me. Um, and I would get various lengths of abstinence, mainly because I took service commitments. And when I took those service commitments, like at the kitchen sink, I would be the, the greeter or the, or the coffee maker or um, the treasurer. And I think I did most, if not all of those commitments at the kitchen sink meeting. And service really is important. And here's the reason I think service is important. It makes me feel like I'm on the inside, not on the outside looking in. Um, I, it's, it's like the difference between being around OA and being in OA. Cause I can, I'm real good at doing drive by OA. I'm really good at doing hit and run OA. I can, I've done it and I did it many years. Um, but the problem is, is that that what stays ensconced in my head is usually diet mentality. And I, I'm calling it a food plan, but it's not a food plan. It's me trying to control my food. And I'll get into a little bit of that, what I think the difference between abstinence and a plan of eating are, too. Abstinence, the way I heard it described, there's now an official definition of, of abstinence in OA, and it's refraining from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors while working toward or maintaining a healthy body weight. That's the official, that's the official, that was at the World Service Business Conference, that's what they, they brought forward. By the way, if you ever get a chance to be a World Service delegate and go to um, go to Albuquerque and go. It's like the World Service Business Conference. The meetings, the business meetings themselves can get a little embroiled and everything, but the meetings in the hallways and the meetings, it's like OA on steroids. It's really amazing. I really recommend it because everybody there is passionate about their recovery. And, um, but anyway, so that's the official definition of abstinence. The way I first heard abstinence when I came in from some of the people in this room that are here this morning was, uh, was sane and guilt-free eating. And sane and guilt-free eating is still a pretty good idea of 
what, you know, now, but guilt and shame are two of the main problems with this. Guilt, shame, remorse, um, self-loathing. And it's this vicious cycle. I'm in the middle of a binge. Um, so all, after all those relapses, and two, I, I, I had a long stretch of abstinence and lost the weight again and was, had rejoined a choir I was in, Angel City Corral. And, and, um, there was a woman in there and we hit it off and I ended up marrying her and we, uh, we moved and I never thought I was going to get married. I just thought that was off the, off the, not going to be part of the, the deal. But we moved to Salem, Oregon. And by the way, she also is one of us. Um, and, but at the time she was, I was not talking about it to her. You know, what happened is we became binge buddies and we moved to Salem, Oregon and my relapse had already begun before we even moved, but it got worse. And I think at one point I put on 30 pounds in a month and, um, uh, she looked at me with tears in her eyes and said, it took me so long to find you. I'm afraid I'm going to lose you. And one morning after a binge the night before I was sitting on the edge of the bed and I thought to myself, with everything you know about the 12 steps and everything you, I was beating myself up, shame, guilt, remorse, self-loathing, everything you know about recovery, how can you still be doing this? And what I call the still small voice said to me, if you're beating yourself up about this, you must not believe that you're powerless. You must think that you have control. And that, I got a shiver up the back of my spine. That's always a good sign that I've gotten a little message <laughs> from somewhere. The truth, the truth resonates. And so, um, I called this guy that I knew was in both AA and OA who was in Portland. And he said, well, why don't you just try three meals a day? Um, with no snacks or nothing in between, um, for the first week. And so I had three large meals and didn't, he said, don't worry too much about content or for the first week. And so I had three large meals that first week and I had a week of abstinence in air quotes. Um, and then he also suggested going to see a healthcare professional. Now the one I went to see was a woman who had been in the system for a while. She was jaded because she would hand her diabetic diet to everybody. And it was a one size fits all diet that she gave to everyone. And she had no expectations because nobody ever followed, not very many people followed what she suggested. And I told her I was in, a, in Overeaters Anonymous. And she said, yeah, because I had been back. She said, yeah, I've heard of it. So, um, I took this thing, I panicked because I'd been on so many diets. And here's the thing about diet mentality. I'll start again after the holidays. I'll start again after the weekend. I'll start again once I, if I, if I go one ounce over or if I go one gram over or whatever, I would start over, always starting over and always the shame and guilt and remorse again. And so Thank God, if I have a problem today and my food gets a little slippery, I know what to do about it. My sponsor talks about lapse, relapse, and collapse. And here's how I define the difference. So we talk about slips, lapse, relapse, and collapse. Lapse is I'm driving down the road and there's a, 
a dotted white line on either side of me. And I veer a little over this dotted white line. I don't hit anybody, but I get back in my lane. To me, that's a lapse. Okay, that's a slip. Um, a relapse is I'm stalled on the side of the road, flat tires, engine dead, whatever. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not moving. And in fact, the car is going to fall apart for sure. Probably if it just sits there and rusts, <laughs> right? Collapse for me is I veer off the road. There's an embankment that's God knows how many feet deep and I crash and die. So collapse for me. And right now, as we speak, I can't imagine, I know there's thousands of people today in this country that will get an amputation because of diabetes. Thousands, literally thousands of people will get a limb amputated because of diabetes today. And the food that I ate wasn't real food. It was food-like substances. <laughs> it was processed. It was highly palatable. It was the difference between food as a drug or food as medicine for me. So now today I have my foods that I enjoy and I try, so here's today's abstinence. Today's, today's food plan. My plan of eating today is three weighed and measured meals that I track before I take a bite in the morning. I know what I'm having for lunch, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I track it. I take a screenshot of what I've tracked. I text those to my food sponsor and say, have a great day. And then at the end of the day, because I'm a nutcase, <laughs> when it comes to food and eating, I text her, food is over, uh, dinner's over, nothing else until breakfast. That's what I have to do. Not everybody's probably got to do that. I don't know what your susceptibility level is. You may be a one to a three or a five to a seven, whatever you are. Um, like in the movie Spinal Tap, this one goes to 11. I, <laughs> I'm just... A, I'm a compulsive addictive freak and it's not just food and alcohol and drugs. It's a whole bunch of things, behaviors and, and things that I need to avoid because, but we're talking about food today. This is Overeaters Anonymous. So um, I have learned that self-flagellation is counterproductive. It doesn't help anything about anything. What I can say is eh, that needs work. I can write inventory. Um, and I have to write inventory. If the food starts getting messy, or if I go to a Zoom meeting and I'm taking everybody's inventory except my own on Zoom, and I'm being critical and judgmental of the people, you can bet that's a red flag for me. I need to write some inventory because I want to be able to look the guy in the mirror, not in a narcissistic or egotistical way, but be able to look at this guy and say, you're not perfect, but you're okay, and I love you. Self-care becomes essential. So self-care for me involves my whole physiology, it involves my, my, you know, it's, it's my homeostasis, it's my metabolism, it's all that. So eating, sleeping, breathing, and moving are very important things that I need to work on. And I have. And I've read some great books about that stuff. And I won't get into that here today either, because this is, and everything I'm saying is my opinion based on my experience. I don't speak for OA as a whole. But it's based on experience and experience is the main factor. I want to make also for somebody who's relatively new here or somebody who's been struggling with relapse or with a higher power, especially with a higher power concept. Thank God for the 12 step paradigm as far as what we say about a higher power. 
If you're atheist or agnostic, whatever works for you, great. If you're, if you're a believer and you have some sort of religious tradition that works for you, great. Now, the people that I've sponsored, there's been all sorts of people coming in with various things. What I was told and what has helped me is make a list of what I want my higher power to be and what I don't want my higher power to be and start to communicate with the one I want, the one I like, the one that's kind and loving and gentle. And and I had to let go of some old ideas because I had some religious abuse early in my life. And I had to get rid of a very not real nice higher power. And <laughs> so... So that's been a a journey and it's a journey that's going to continue. Oh, by the way, I'm a recovering know-it-all. And I just wanted to say that I am, um, I want to stay teachable. That's really important. Three of the most important words in my vocabulary are, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's best for you. I don't know if you need to do the same food plan I do. I know what works for me. I know that the steps work. That's a truism. That's just true. They work and they work well. I know that having a sponsor is important for me because I need somebody to pull my covers and I need somebody to call me on my BS that I have invited to do that. But mainly I need to call myself on my BS and tell somebody that this is what's really going on. Not come to a meeting trying to pretend that I'm everything's peaches and roses when I'm dying inside because I can't save my ass and my face at the same time. You know, if I'm coming to meetings trying to look good, so... And vulnerability is actually a really valuable thing. Um, I, uh, I lost a dog this year. It killed me. It was my first dog ever. And it looked a lot like Tony's little dog there. And, um, and wonderful. And, and I, I had to grieve. And I came to the meetings and I cried and I talked about it. And, um, and people shared their, how they got through it without overeating. When their pet died, you know, that's how we circle the wagons in here. We help each other and together we get better. That's one of the things you hear at meetings all the time. Together we get better. I can't do this alone. And since I'm an isolator and a lone wolf, sometimes I have to fight against that isolation by making phone calls when I don't want to. My first AA sponsor, like Cubby, I still hear his voice in my head saying, you don't got to want to. You don't got to want to. Do it anyway. So counterintuitive it may seem, but it's not. It is actually intuitive to do these things. Um, God. So what's going on now? Um, my life got so much better. I had throughout my recovery, I had a whole bunch of money and no money a couple of times over. And I had them putting three day notice on my door one time. And the fear around financial insecurity was huge. And I was jealous of people who had stuff. And here's what I found out. I can be happy or miserable with or without the stuff. I can be happy or miserable with or without the stuff. And so the stuff doesn't matter. The stuff is what it's all an inside job, everything. So as I, the deeper I dive and the more I find that with that radiant power that is inside us and outside us, I believe this, this is my, you know, Every, I believe everybody in here is a God particle. Everybody in this room is a God particle. And what we do is we get rid of, by the inventory process, we move all that crap aside 
And so we get that clear connection. We get that clear, we become these conduits. And then what happens is my higher power speaks to me through you when you have that clear, that clarity. My higher power speaks to me and that's how we, that's how we help each other. And so I just want to say OA has been a vital part. By the way, there's some people here are still calling it Roseanne's prayer instead of the OA promise. And I know that she would just hate that. <laughs> so I've been trying to, I'm trying to get off my high, high horse and get <laughs> as far as my crusade to get people start calling it the OA promise instead of Roseanne's prayer. But what Roseanne, when I was going through some of my worst stuff, I remember her taking me aside at Serenity Sunday one day and telling me, and I, it was before she had written the book about what had happened to her and how she was almost ostracized by the very group she started. And so one of the, here's what we need to know. If people are struggling in this program or they've come back and you haven't seen them for a while and you're shocked by, by their appearance or whatever it is, love them with all your heart and soul. That's why I'm still here is because there were, when I came back, there were people who were loving and patient and kind and showed me nothing but compassion. And so that radical compassion, that radical acceptance that we find in these rooms, it's real, it's valid. And, and I just, I'm going to finish up with this. It's just that I love each and every one of you. There's not a damn thing you can do about it. Oh, I forgot one other thing. I was going to talk about humility today, but there aren't enough people here. So I'll save that for. You still have five minutes, Tom, if you'd oh. like to go and we've got five more. Enjoy. Oh, I saw the, I saw the countdown and I forgot that you were going to give me a five. <laughs> so yeah. Anyway, I, that, that line about humility, I stole it from somebody. There's nothing original in this program. <laughs> it's like, so, but humility is wonderful. And I do want to talk about that idea of that. And I heard this and everything, nothing, none of this stuff that I'm saying is original. <laughs> it's all stuff that I've gleaned from these meetings. And one thing I love about humility is this idea that when we come in, we're used to being on the rung of this rung of the ladder. And this is, this is in one of the, one of the daily readings too, either in for today or voices of recovery. We're on the rung of this ladder and there are people on rungs above us and there are people on rung, rungs below us. And that's the way we're conditioned to think. I believe we're kind of indoctrinated into that way of thinking. But what happens in here is we climb down off the ladder and we get in a circle and we join hands. And when somebody new comes in, we just, open up the circle and let them in and join in their hands, join us. I love that. I can, that visual. I just love that. And um, the other thing is, is that I'm not a doctor and I'm not a therapist, although I've been to therapy in recovery for some childhood trauma. I was, um, I was uh, kind of, yeah, I was sexually abused from the time I was 12 till through my twenties by a family member. And um, I had a very well-meaning ex-sponsor who said that they were still my sponsor, who I called him when I was just in the root worst of this about this. Uh, I was just going through it and I knew I needed to get back into therapy. And unfortunately, they shared their opinion with me that I was probably, you know, oh, it's not, you know, I don't know if I believe. It. And it, the trust was just betrayed. 
it was just betrayed. I haven't, I still need to work on some forgiveness and some stuff with that. And I think I've done a lot and, um, and, but we got need to be careful about sticking to what we know and what we don't know in here. And what I don't know about, I can't share about. I'm not a parent. So if I, one of the guys I'm sponsoring is talking about dealing with his kids, I will say, I know some really good parents in the program and find out if they, if I can connect them, you know, people who have had gone through similar issues. And I think that that's really important is not to go beyond what, what our, my primary purpose is to share my experience, strength and hope is to stay abstinent and help others recover from compulsive eating with what I know and what I know and not try and share outside of the realm of my knowledge. And I, I know one quintillionth of 1% of what there is to know. So that's, that's a good place to start from. And, and I ask God for the right thoughts, ideas, words, actions, and attitude before I talk to somebody about anything, especially if it's a difficult circumstance. I pass things by my sponsor if I have conflict and I love the traditions. I need to talk about a little bit about the traditions because many of you and most of us have heard the thing about, you know, the steps are so I don't commit suicide and the traditions are so I don't commit homicide. You know, it's like, that's like where, you know, we're here because we're not all there. Um, basically, we all come from a place of, you know, being broken. And, and, and so, um, again, that thing of, of, um, I, I used to just assume bad intent with people. It was just, again, my conditioning, what I believe. I, did, I had troubles with trust, cynical, skeptical, um, negative, watching way too much news. <laughs> and so I'm finding out my perceptions are absolutely tempered by all this. And that as I stay open to learning more, my perceptions and my my way of seeing things and my perspectives change and will continue to change. And I can let more and more, I can see beyond appearances. Hopefully I can see beyond appearances and, you know, it's not about blaming my parents even because my parents' parents were screwed up and their parents' parents were, you know, it's like, it's, it's been carried on. So, so it's about, forgiveness becomes this incredibly valuable, valuable, valuable healing tool. It's medicine along with humor. Humor is so important. And because I take myself too seriously, I take the world too seriously. And there are people going through stuff in this meeting right now, either physical or emotional with family. And some of us have been through it already. Some of us will go through it. So be, you know, the more open I can be and listen and learn and also share any how I got through stuff that's 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 how this works it's so much how it works okay thanks I I wasn't looking at the timer that time um so again um if you and if you're off camera today because you're afraid um start to let people in meetings know who you are and see you the other thing that's really good is to let people know you're listening at a meeting and I can do that when I'm on camera because listening is a loving, loving action. So I'm grateful. Thank you, Carol, for asking me to lead today. And again, I love you all. This is the time for questions only. Uh, there is no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any one of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leader are my own and do not reflect those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. 
when asking questions, you need not identify yourself. Uh, if you ask a question, if you asked a question last week, please wait until the first three questions have been asked before raising your hand. And if you have a question, just ver uh, click your virtual hand and I will. Tom, first, I have to be your groupie. I haven't seen you in almost 20 years when we used to hang out at um, Kitchen Sink Log Cabin and you are a joy and a treasure and you're exactly the same you were 20 years ago and I feel like crying. Um, and I just need to give a shout out to your singing voice. Anybody who hasn't heard Tom sing, please do yourself a favor and find, find a way to listen to him sing. Tom, um, I too am a serial relapser. I just celebrated two years of abstinence a couple weeks ago. And I was wondering if you could characterize how this most recent abstinence of yours, however long it's been, may be different than your prior periods of abstinence when you ultimately relapsed. I love you. Thank you, Cheryl. I love you too. It's good to see you. I, you know, um, keep coming back is what we say. And what's happened for me, I finally figured something out. Don't go away. Don't, no matter what, don't leave away. That's the main thing that I've done right this time. Um, after the pandemic hit, I started to, trend up and I weigh once a month. And uh, so my my highest weight was 385 pounds. And that happened at about 12 years sober in the 90s sometimes. And um, uh, my current weight is three. Last time I weighed, I was two. I was two, 230, I think. Um, at one point, I was down to two, right around 205. And it's not about the weight, but it is about the weight. It's the weirdest thing. The weight is simply a barometer for me. But what I know is just don't leave this program, get involved in this program, sponsor steps, meetings, the essentials, the three, the three, um, uh, the three essentials of recovery, willingness, honesty, and open-mindedness. Those are also really, really, really important. And, um, just don't be, don't be a lone wolf. Don't isolate. We've got to, I've got to overcome that isolation. I've just got to text and call. So, and, and then start to give back. That's the other, the other main thing is when you start sponsoring people, it's the biggest joy in this whole thing is getting to step 12 and starting to implement it. There's nothing better. There's nothing better. It's bliss. So, all right. Uh, hey, thanks, Tom. So great to see you. Always get a lot from your shares. Welcome back virtually. Um, so my question is, uh, you talked about how you had to fire your higher power from when you were a child. Can you describe what your higher power is like today? Oh, the best. <laughs> Literally, everything, everywhere, all at once. <laughs> it's, it is... Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm just currently trying a new form of meditation with a teacher and all that stuff. And really interesting thing about that. Uh, I don't believe in coincidences. So I got this teacher, but months ago I had tried a version of this thing where you kind of, yeah, they gave you a kind of a pseudo mantra. And I said, I don't like that. I'm going to make up my own. Right. And, um, and so I made one up. And so then I got the actual formal version of this and I went to see a teacher who gives you your mantra. Guess what? Months ago, I made up this mantra, the one she gives me with the exact 
same one. I don't know. I, that gave, gave me chills. So, so I know there's something out there. I couldn't, the, the created trying to understand the creator, that's never really going to happen to the degree that I think. But I kind of had to keep an open mind. The thing that helped me the most with this was that quote from the big book, the Herbert Spencer quote in the, in the appendix on, on spiritual experience. It says, there is a principle which is a bar against all information, which is proof against all arguments and which cannot fail to keep a man in everlasting ignorance. That principle is contempt prior to investigation. So now if I am contemptuous about someone's about something, I better have investigated it <laughs> beforehand. But what's happened is by keeping an open mind and going, continuing to do research about things in the spiritual realm, it's been wonderful. But none of that matters. It's experiential. It's all an inside. What I talked about, it's all an inside job. I don't know if your higher power is the same as mine in essence. I'm guessing it is because we're all one in my belief. But but um, it's been this wonderful journey. And this wonder, like any other relationship, it has its ups and downs. I used to blame God when things would go wrong. And I discovered it's not God's fault. Stuff happens. The world, uh, anyway, I could go on for a long time about, so my higher power today, the old one was, oh, and again, just my opinion, it was very Old Testament, kind of <laughs> vengeful, critical, just, uh, just not, not a nice, not a nice higher power, um, really mean, angry, destructive, and I had to let that go. I had to, um, cause it wasn't help, helpful. It was like a critical parent and I don't need any critical parents, including the one in my head. Don't need it. Uh, what steps did you take to get out of constant relapse? Oh, um, so, uh, I just, again, I didn't leave OA this time. Um, steps, sponsor, um, and being, being, pers- uh, being, having persistence and consistency with that. Um, because when, and this still, if, if I start to get complacent, unfortunately, this is a lifelong thing, but, but I, there's something to be said about automaticity and habit. And when the steps and a 10th step and getting up in the morning to read, write, pray, and meditate becomes a habit, the rest of the day goes great. In fact, it got so good that I was doing it. And when the pandemic started, I was thinking there must be other people that need to do this. So I started a daily 6 a.m. meeting on Zoom that originates out of here in central in middle Tennessee. So it's 4 a.m. your time in California. But there's this we started this meeting with two or three or four of us, which it's the format is basically um, we read the two daily readers. We have a 10 minute meditation, open sharing. And we have a second 10 minute meditation. Oh, after we read the third step prayer, seven step prayer and 11 step prayer. And then we have a second 10 minute meditation and we have a parking lot afterwards. We have fellowship afterwards. And this is 365 days a year, seven days a week. And so um, it's been groovy. <laughs> so that's how I, that's how I maintain my, my abstinence today. And I keep, I stay out of relapse is I OA is a way of life for me. So thanks, Tom. And can you also include uh, your contact information if you'd like? Sure. Absolutely. will. Okay. Um, and then now it would be uh, Carol. 
Carol. Hello, darling. My Hi, former Shirley. co. Um, it was in the 2000s, darling. I wasn't in program until oh. 99. Um, <clears throat> so I have some insider information that you will be taking a trip sometime soon. And um, I wonder if you could uh, talk a little bit about uh, how you take your program on the road with you when you do vacations Absolutely. and also how you have gotten to a place where you treat yourself to, you know, sort of dream come true, bucket list uh, type of vacations. I happen to know one's coming up for you. Thanks. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Okay, so I'm a huge Beatle fan. I'm 64 years old. So I said, when I'm 64, I'm going to my personal Mecca, Liverpool. So get on a plane to Manchester on the 31st of this month, going to Liverpool, going to London. My life has gotten so big because of Overeaters Anonymous. I had this small little life of eating crap in front of the television. Uh, for my 60th birthday, I jumped out of an airplane at 10,000 feet. Um, I've traveled to the Caribbean. I've been to Russia. Um, I've been to the, to Scandinavia, um, toured, you know, Amsterdam. It, it's, it's amazing what's happened in my life. Now, part of that is because I married up and she has <laughs> my wife. My wife is, has a good job and we have the financial means to do that. So I'm grateful for that. Um, but. But yeah, so traveling on the road is sometimes challenging. Planning. I've got to, I have to have a plan. Same with restaurants. Um, I bring non-perishable foods that are on my, on my, in case of emergency, a lot of times you can find the foods that are on your food plan and just cut the portions in half at a restaurant. But bringing food with me is essential. It's it's important that I have non-perishable foods that are part of my food plan that I bring with me. Um, if I'm going to a restaurant, um, I make sure that it's a restaurant that has something I can eat, and I go to the website and I um, I look at the menu and put that on breakfast, lunch, or dinner, whatever it is. This is how much of that I'm going to have. If it's a bigger portion than I need, I ask for a to-go box or I leave it. Better yet, with the portion sizes, cut it in half or however much looks like the appropriate amount, put the rest into a to-go box and um, leave it or or bring it with me as I, you know, as it's really God. I got to check in with my higher power about what I eat, when I eat, where I eat, how much I eat, everything that has to do with food. On a daily basis, I ask, please keep me absent for this 24 hours. So we got a few minutes left here. I hope that answered your question. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Um, uh, Bob. L. Thank you very much, Tom. My name is Bob, compulsive orator. Um, you, you were talking about the definition of abstinence, and I remember when that first came out as well, too. Um, that was something that a lot of us were waiting for. Um, I've been, I've been around OA, around OA, if you want to put it that way, for about 30 years. And constant relapse, or longest I've ever stayed abstinence, two and a half years. You talked a little bit about shame. Um, how do you deal with, with the shame, with letting go of the shame, like I messed up again, um, and, and being able to walk, I, I guess, right with your held, head held high 
Yeah, that's because that's what I, that's what I'm feeling right now, and I'm I'm trying not sure. To, but how do well, you do Bob, it? So here's the thing: it's a disease, not a disgrace. It's a disease I didn't ask to have. You didn't ask to have. I need to remember that that I didn't ask to have this disease. There are actions I can take that will help it go into remission. And sometimes if I'm not, if I'm not thorough about those actions, then I'm going to suffer. I will suffer. And I don't want to see anybody, the people that have good recovery in here, well, the wonderful thing about recovery in general is everybody wants everybody else to succeed. Everybody. It's not a competition. It's not a, it's not a, comparison thing and when i get into the competition and comparison that's the disease that's the ego and whether you call it the ego or satan or the disease or whatever you call it it's all the same thing it doesn't want to see me happy and healthy and whole it wants to see me laying in a gutter somewhere covered with cheeto powder and chocolate sauce and stinking of whiskey lying in a gutter looking down my nose at other people that's what the disease wants it doesn't want so every time i come to a meeting or talk to a sponsor or work a step, I'm giving the disease the finger. <laughs> Basically, that's what's going on. I'm telling the disease, you're not going to get me. You're not going to, you, you're not going to run my life anymore. And if I do have a, a slight hiccup in my food, eh, what can I learn from it? And, and it's a new day. That, that meeting I started, I called it the new day meditation meeting. That's what it's called. And, it's listed in the Tennessee meetings, 6 a.m. Central Time, if you want to find it on the OA website. And we'd love to have you. We got 50 people almost daily now at that meeting. And we went from that three people, we've got like 50 from far and wide. So um, anyway, uh, I think that's it. That's time. So um, I am so grateful for you all. I'm saying because I'm living in Tennessee now, I've started non-ironically saying y'all 